and welcome to the Witch Doctor blog brought to you by A to Z Pediatrics. My name is Dr. Jean Wagner, and no, I'm not actually a witch doctor. I'm a board-certified pediatrician who practices medicine in Southern Illinois, along with my partners, Dr. Mark McGranahan and Dr. Lori Everhart. Uh, we are bringing you this podcast to bring you some straight talk pediatrics with common questions that you might have about your child. We don't practice witch medicine. We do practice pretty standard style Western medicine supported by the guidelines of the American Academy of Pediatrics. Today's episode is about swimmer's ear. This is definitely the time of the year for swimmer's ear. It is hot. Everybody's swimming. It's humid. And we see lots and lots of swimmer's ear during the summertime. So I'm going to talk to you a little bit about what is swimmer's ear, how do you get it, how do you get rid of it, and how do you prevent it. So first, let's talk a little bit about the ear. It's pretty standard. You have your outer ear, which you can see, which goes into the ear canal, part of which you can see, and then that leads in deeper into the eardrum. And then behind the eardrum is the middle ear. Now, when most of you think of ear infections of your kids screaming at the most inconvenient time at two o'clock in the morning on a Sunday when no doctor's office is open and they have a low grade temp and a snotty nose, that's kind of your standard ear infection. That actually has nothing to do with swimmer's ear, although it's commonly confused. And that's, that's sort of just your typical, what we would call a middle ear infection. Um, it's treated with antibiotics, causes a lot of pain and discomfort for kids, but actually has nothing to do with water in the ear, moisture in the ear, or swimming. What we're going to be talking about is more of the external ear infection, um, or what's called external otitis, or otitis externa, which basically means an ear infection of the outer part of the ear. Now, the part of the ear I'm talking about is actually the ear canal. It's just the hole that leads into your ear. Um, while it seems like kind of a simple and not very complicated piece of machinery, it actually is quite complex and does a lot of really important jobs. So when it becomes infected, it can be quite painful. So how do we get swimmer's ear? Um, swimmer's ear is, is caused by kind of what I like to call the infection trifecta, meaning heat, moisture, and bacteria, germs. Um, and so that little combination can cause uh, quite a lot of problems for the outer part of the ear. So it, it generally happens when the inner um, part of the inner and outer part of the ear canal itself kind of stays wet all of the time from swimming, sweat, um, it being really humid like it is right now in July in southern Illinois. Um, and then um, it never really becoming completely dry, thus allowing germs, bacteria to come in and kind of set up. And that essentially is what will give you a swimmer's ear. So, you know, you think of grandma gets a new pool in her backyard. Kids are swimming over there every single day, hours at a time. They come home, they go to bed, they get up, they do the same thing. I'm never really getting completely dry. And you couple that with the nice 99 to 100 degree temps we have here in, in St. Louis in, in July and the 90% humidity. And that's generally what will, will cause the, the ear infection. Um, it is also... Um, can be caused by other causes besides just frequent swimming. Certainly you'll see it more in dirty water, lakes, oceans, um, less frequently in clean pools, and even less frequently in, in bath water. 
Um, other causes, though, can be repetitive trauma to the ear. Um, it can be surgery to the ear. Things like that can lead to an external ear infection. Probably my biggest pet peeve or my favorite cause that I like to lecture my patients about is the use of Q-tips. Um, everybody likes to have clean ears. They worry when they come in, oh, we didn't clean our ears. Let me tell you, we don't care. That earwax is actually there for a really specific purpose. Your ear canal itself produces this, this earwax um, as a coating for the inside of your ear to um, protect it. Um, it secretes it, it coats the inside of the ear, and then when germs and dust and things um, get into the ear, it actually collects it and protects it from getting to the skin of the ear canal. It's also waterproof, and so it does help keep the skin of the ear canal from getting too moist. So when you go in there and you dig around, you're actually kind of disrupting that natural process. Additionally, on the lining of the canal, there are little tiny microscopic hairs that sort of beat consistently throughout your lifetime. And when the earwax collects all of the germs and the junk that gets into the ear, it actually sort of pushes it gently out to the outside of the ear canal where you can then wipe it away with a cotton ball or a washcloth or what have you. Um, it goes along with the old saying of, you should never stick anything in your ear any smaller than your elbow. And I, I do think that's true. So if you use Q-tips on a regular basis, what you're doing is you're removing the body's natural ability to prevent infection um, by taking the earwax out. Secondly, most of the time what you're actually doing is removing just the surface wax and the rest of it, you're just stamping it down in there like a loaded gun barrel um, until one day it just becomes impacted and hard and then we have to go in there with tools and get it out and so just don't do that. And then lastly, when you stick that Q-tip or other device in there to clean your ear out, I've heard people use things like bobby pins, safety pins, sticks, all kinds of crazy stuff. Um to get the earwax out. When you do that, you are essentially destroying those little tiny microscopic hairs. So then in the future, your body doesn't really even have a good ability anymore to push all that dirty earwax out to the outside and you will end up with chronic earwax impactions along with a much higher risk for frequent and chronic swimmer's ear. So leave the Q-tips to clean other things not your ears. So those are the common causes for swimmer's ear, a frequent wet ear, not drying it completely between swimming and repetitive trauma to the ear in the form of my least favorite thing, Q-tips. So how do, we, um, how do we diagnose it? How do you know when you actually have a swimmer's ear? Well, the biggest thing obviously is going to be, it hurts, it hurts real bad. Um, you'll know because your child will complain that their ear hurts. Um, you can... If you look at the ear, at the front of the ear, there's kind of that little bump of tissue right in the front of your ear hole. And if you push on that and it's tender, then that's a sign of a swimmer's ear. Also, if you take your child's um, earlobe and kind of pull it down and back away from their head and that causes intense pain, those are pretty two good signs that, um, two pretty good signs that you need to give us a call because your child probably has a swimmer's ear. So other signs can be um, pain when they lay on it. It can have a sense of fullness, like they can't hear out of it because it's full of junk. Um, you might look at the ear and actually be able to see that the ear canal itself is real swollen, red. 
Um, and lastly, when it really gets really going good, you'll actually see pus, debris, kind of chunky stuff coming out of the, the ear canal it, itself. So those are your pretty typical signs of, of a swimmer's ear. Much less likely, but can happen, is actual swelling of the ear itself. It may even look like your child's ear is sort of sticking out of his head at an awkward angle. Um, and even less likely is, is fever. Usually if there's fever, there's probably something else going on and you should definitely be giving your pediatrician a ring. Um, so those are your classic signs and symptoms of, of a swimmer's ear, pain and drainage. Really, that's, that's, that's pretty simply it. So once you've established that you think your child has a swimmer's ear, you should definitely call us. And what are we going to do about it? Well, the most probably important treatment is going to be getting rid of the infection itself. Once it's become a full-blown swimmer's ear, there's really not a whole lot we can do other than treat it. We will talk a little bit about prevention towards the end of the podcast. But right now, what I would say is you call your doctor. We're probably going to treat your child with topical eardrops. Um, an antibiotic that has to be called out that goes in your child's ear for about seven days um, to kill the bacteria and allow your tissues to heal. We do recommend during that time that you don't allow your child to swim until the ear has pretty fully healed and the pain has gone away. Um, so that's, that's pretty much it. Now, sometimes the ear infection does get so bad that we actually have to use oral antibiotics to treat it. Um, and we do also, um, occasionally have a swimmer's ear that's so swollen that you can't even get the drops into the ear. And in that case, we would use a little product called an ear wick, which is a little sponge that we insert into the child's ear that kind of absorbs a lot of the, um, the debris and things in there and can allow the ear antibiotics to get further into the ear canal and, and, um, effectively treat the infection. So um, now that we've treated your child's swimmer's ear, let's talk most importantly about what we can do to make sure that your child doesn't get swimmer's ear during this really hot summer that we're having. Um, number one is to make sure that you, you know, I'm going to say it, don't use Q-tips. We're just going to go back to that. Don't use Q-tips in your kid's ear. I don't know how many times I have to tell people. Okay. Number two, um, is drying. So there's a couple ways you can make sure that your kid's ears get dry in between swimming sessions or um, uh, really heavy sweating during um, athletics. And that, um, number one, is to kind of have them tilt their head to the side and sort of tap the excess water out of their ear. Secondly, um, you can take your blow dryer at home on the coolest setting and kind of gently blow the water um, and dry the ear out for a couple of minutes until it's good and dry. Um, there are products available over the counter that you can purchase at pretty much any pharmacy specifically for um, prevention of swimmer's ear. Many of these will say on the package that they treat swimmer's ear and while they may sort of treat it in those very early stages before you really have a lot of symptoms, once you get into full-blown swimmer's ear, they're not gonna do any good and they're probably gonna burn when you put them in there. So I really reserve these just for prevention. So there are products you can buy um, and they work great. And you're going to use them pretty much every time your child is done swimming for the day. But my favorite is to just make it at home. And it's an old kind of grandma recipe where you do 50% rubbing alcohol and 50% white vinegar. Um, mix these up into a bottle, half and half, and just keep it on hand. When your kids are done swimming for the day and they've tapped the water out of their ears, you line them up, tilt everybody's head to the left, drop the drops in. Tilt everybody's head to the right, drop the drops in, let them all run out, and that should dry everything up. 
Um, it's nice because the alcohol part of it is an antiseptic, so it does kill some of those bacteria. And then the vinegar is also an antiseptic, um, as well as it helps restore sort of the natural acidity level in the, inside the ear and makes it kind of less homey for the bacteria. Um, and that's definitely what we're trying to do is keep those bacteria from getting into the wet, moist ear and setting up housekeeping and causing an infection in your, in your kid's ear. Um, and so those are pretty much the biggest remedies that you can use at home to prevent a swimmer's ear. Um, so that, that really sums it up. Um, we've got the, the cause, which is a wet, moist ear during the hot summer months, frequent swimming. Um, the, the symptoms, which is the pain and swelling in the ear and the treatment, which is going to be call me. Um, and then lastly, prevention, my favorite is um, to use the rubbing alcohol and, and white vinegar. And if you take anything home from this podcast whatsoever, hopefully you're going to remember to never use Q-tips. This has been uh, the Witch Doctor blog podcast with Dr. Jean Wagner. Um, As always, this information should not be used to diagnose or treat any specific illness that your kid may have, but rather to just provide you with general information um, for your own benefit and for your children's benefit. Certainly, if you have any questions, feel free to give us a call at 618-345-5437. That's 618-345-KIDS. And we look forward to talking to you during the next podcast. Thank you. Thank you.